Hi friends, welcome to Bar of the Conference. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Today's episode is with Lloyd Nairota. Lloyd is an ordained elder born and raised in Zimbabwe. He and his wife, who is also an ordained elder and GBGM missionary, along with their two kids, have lived in Western Canada since 2015. Lloyd serves an ecumenical appointment just north of Alberta. As always, this podcast is about the stories that shape United Methodist and how those stories are shaping the future of our denomination. And y'all, Lloyd has stories. He also has experience, perspective, lessons learned, and gifts to share. Lloyd brought all of this to our interview, and in my opinion, I think we need to hear as much of it as possible. So we're sharing this interview with Lloyd in two parts. Part one is primarily about his journey of faith and entrance into United Methodism. The details though are really important as we think about the context of ministry and structure in Zimbabwe. I think you're gonna be glad that I didn't edit these stories out. It's a really important episode. So grab those notebooks, that choice beverage, and let's listen to this episode with Lloyd Nerenta. Reverend Lloyd Narota, how are you doing today, my friend? Fine. How are you doing, Derek? I am great, and I'm really grateful to you for joining me on this podcast. Really excited to have you and to hear some of your story and um, just the ways that God is using you these days. Um, I know a little bit about Lloyd. Um, I know that you were born in Zimbabwe, but that's about all I know about how you became a follower of Jesus and a United Methodist. So can you just give us a little bit of the story of how you came to faith, how God's provenient grace reached out to you and brought you into our denomination? Oh, okay. Right. Uh, it's quite, uh, uh, I say sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes it's a story that surprises me when I begin to tell it. Um, like I say, I was born um, in Zimbabwe. Uh, in the 70s, like 1970 to be precise. That's when I was born uh, in Zimbabwe. Uh, suddenly, uh, unfortunately, what happened in two years after I was born, uh, my parents separated and I went with my grandmother. So I was basically raised by, I mean, went with my mother. Um, so I went with my mother and I was uh, certainly raised by my grandmother that's my on my mother's side so and she was a devout anglican person and when i was born i was just born by the edge of the anglican mission station at st thomas maveja so my parents house were just sharing a fence with the anglican church so i was right born right there uh, and on my father's side, majority of that family is Anglican. 
and then went to be raised by my grandmother. She was a devout Anglican. That's why I tell people I become a Methodist by accident. <laughs> yeah. Because I was supposed to be Anglican, right? But then um, when I was about to start school, the war broke out, the war of liberation in Zimbabwe. The war broke out, catch up into our area. So I could not go to school because the schools in the villages were closed because of the war. Then uh, my mom wanted us to get education. She wanted us to have good education. So she brought us to the town of Rusape, that's in Eastern Zimbabwe, which was our nearest bigger town uh, from my village of Chitenderanu. So she brought us to Rusape so that we would get education. That was four of us, me and my three sisters. So as we were there, my mom was not a professional. So the way she raised us was she would go and work for the white settlers as a nanny, a babysitter, a cook, a, a housemaid, a house help for, for the white settlers. She worked for the Greeks, the Italians, the British, some Indians and all that so as to raise us. So in order to supplement that income, we had to go sell things at the market. That's where the story of my faith then comes in. So we used to go sell things. So after school, I will pick up a basket of tomatoes, bananas, go around in the neighborhood, sell that stuff. Uh, Friday after school, go to the big marketplace in Rusape, the bus terminus where all the transit buses would stop going to different villages and all that. And then we'll be stay selling bananas, uh, boiled eggs, you name it. Anything that can sell at the market would sell that stuff. So that was our routine. I was also a soccer player. So we used to play plastic ball. So huh. we'd balls from plastic bags and stuff like that, uh, fill it with some paper and then play the ball. Hmm. So we used to play what we called in Vengere money games. So Vengere then was, up to now, is divided into sections by alphabets. So there is the B sections, there is the Ara section. So houses like Ara 1, Ara 2, Ara 3, then B1, B3 to B200, then the G section and all that. <laughs> so we were in the Ara section and ours was called the Upper Ara section. So we would create a team, a soccer team, and then play a money game. If you put a penny, then you get two pennies. If you put five cents, then you get five cents. If you put a dime, then you will get two dimes if you win the game. It was a winner-take-all money game. So what you put, you get double because the other team will bring the same amount. If you are playing a money game for $5, that means you put $5, the other team puts $5. Then winner takes all, and then you split double what you have put on. So there was this particular Sunday, there was this match, this money game that our part of Maara needed to win, that match. And it was going to be played on a Sunday. 
My friends persuaded me not to go to the market so that we would win this game. And then I could not find a good reason of not going to the market. <laughs> to the mm -hmm. So I thought of every trick in the trick books in the ghetto. <laughs> I couldn't get one. <laughs> that would convince my mom that I could not go to the market. Yeah. Then uh, all of a sudden, church popped up. So mm. I went to my mom and say, you know, I want to go to church today. <laughs> wow. Okay. So mm. just imagine a single mother raising a boy in the ghetto and the boy is talking church. Who would say no? So that I found that was the deal. But let me tell you something that happens that day. My mother looked at me and I could see tears in her eyes because this is what she was saying to me. Look here, yes, going to church, brilliant idea. I would want you to go to church, but you have no clothes for church. Mm. I had no clothes for church because the best clothes I had was my school uniform, mm -hmm. my brown coffee shirt and short for Vengere Primary School. So that's why my the best clothes I had. Besides that, there was nothing that I would go to church with. Hmm. So my mom said, okay, now here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the market today and go to the market the whole week. Every profit you make from today until Thursday, Friday, we will use that to buy you Sunday clothes church. And then next Sunday, you can go to church. I quickly get over, tell my friends to postpone the game to next Sunday because I got an offer from the market next Sunday. Postpone mm -hmm. the game, postpone the game. So the game was postponed. Uh, I went to the market. I will not tell the stories of the week. I want to quickly come to the story of the Sunday. <laughs> um, so my mother honored her side of the deal. Um, every, sign, every day I get the sales, I come, do the count, cash in, she selected the profit. I, then I think by Thursday, I had worked hard enough to cash in enough money for Sunday, for clothes. So Friday, mom is coming back from work. She brought me a t-shirt and a short and a, a long trouser. I remember their color. The long trouser was sky blue, pocketless with elastic band on the west. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I had a dark blue t-shirt with a front. It had. Uh, a kind of a rocket, and it was written tornado. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then black tennis shoes, we call them tenderfoot in Zimbabwe then. They were black uh, tennis shoes. So, so Sunday, I dressed for church in the morning. Out I went to church in the morning. You know what? I didn't know which church I was going to. Because the church was not the business, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was the ball game after church. Yeah, yeah. So I went down in our um, neighborhood in Vengere. 
Then churches were lined up facing the school, the primary school. So I just left home going down like I'm going to school like I do every day. When I was facing the school gate, that's when I realized, oh, by the way, I'm going to church. Which church? <laughs> so I was first with one, two, three, four. Yeah, four churches. I was first with four churches, two on my left, two on my right. So I looked at the two church, at the four churches, and I was trying to decide which church. And uh, I then thought, okay, which church should I go to? In my mind, something came up. The church in the village. The closest church in the village, which was a Methodist church. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. was painted white and black butchman at the bottom. Butchman paint. So I said, okay, so a church that is painted white with the black butchman, that's where I go to because that must be the same church as the church in the village. The Methodist church was pink. <laughs> oh, was wow. Pinkish, yellowish was not, was not the same. So mm -hmm. I was first with the two churches painted white with the black butchman at the bottom. Then I played a game we used in the village when you are looking for your cattle. Two games, you spit your saliva in your hand, strike it with your finger, wherever the majority of the saliva goes, that's where your cattle are. You follow that direction. That is one technique for sure. <laughs> so I used that to choose a change between the two that were in front of me strike the saliva and the saliva was split in half in two directions <laughs> <laughs> and then i say okay i'm going to play the second game if that happens then you go to option two uh you know there's a game i think here that game you end up by my mother told me to choose this one but i choose this one mm -hmm. yeah the mm -hmm. similar one we play in zimbabwe's kids which we called a Mutsa Tsurondeake. Tsuro is a rabbit. So I played that game and then ended up on the church one that was on my left side. So I went in. And you know what? Why I always tell people I become a Methodist by if I had gone on the church on the right side, that was the Anglican church. Hmm. I would have become an Anglican. But I went on the church on the left, which was next to the Methodist church. And that church was CCAP, the Church of Central Africa Presbyterian. Hmm. That's a church for migrants from Malawi. Oh, wow. Okay. And they speak Nyanja in that church. Mm -hmm. Just like what my wife is doing in Canada now. She has a migrant church that speaks Shona. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I went into that church. They were speaking Nyanja. I didn't hear a word. <laughs> and that was none of my business anyway. I waited for church to come to an end, went to the game, played the plastic game. We won the game. I got my 10 cents and I was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I got home and mom asked me. My mother was doubting if I really wanted to go to church. Then my mom asked me, did you go to church? 
Yes, I was way past the church time. So church had ended and I had gone for the ball and I was looking very dirty with the new clothes. And there's no church that brings a dirty kid like that home. So, and my mom is like, okay, tell me one thing that was said in church. I was blank. It was all a nyanja or Can you sing one song that was sung in church? I was blank. The songs were nyanja and chichewa. So I was about to get a strong beating. My mom, if she started beating you, she would beat you good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Then the next door guy, our neighbor, they were from Malawi. And he was talking to my sister, Medeline, telling my sister, asking her if we were from Malawi also. Because Lloyd was in our church today. And Medeline came quickly and said, no, 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 no. He went to church. Joseph is just telling me that he was in their church. So he went to the wrong church. So that's why he doesn't know anything that was said, any songs, because it was all in Nyanja and Chichewa. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what saved me. <laughs> Derek, I was done with church stuff. Hmm. Because it almost put me in trouble. It then did, I, yeah. I forgot about church, all about it. I was done with church. I was up the weekend for my business to go to the market, find other ways to get off and or get my dish, my supplies, go play the game and ask the guys to buy whatever I'm selling so that I'm not in trouble when I get back home. So... The teams become my market if we have a game. Good. <laughs> now, they still have not answered the question. How did I then become a Methodist? Then I wanted to wear my Sunday best clothes. Mm. Then I knew church works. And also church would make me wear my clothes. Church would give me an off day from the market. Mm. So some months down the line, I woke up and say, I'm going to church today. Okay, where are my clothes? And I was told, okay, now you go to church. The church you are talking about in the village, the Methodist church, is next to the CCAP. So if you want to go to that church, it's next to the CCAP. This other church is the Anglican. If you want to go to the Anglican, go to that. But my mom says, go to the Methodist church. Hmm. So I went to the Methodist church. Then I found friends there, hmm. and that's how I became a Methodist. I found friends. One of my friends I found then uh, that first day who was living close to us in our neighborhood, whom we used to play soccer ball with, is also now a Methodist ordained minister in South Africa. His name is David Mcherera. He we grew up together. So that's how I became a Methodist. And uh, that's, uh, that became part of my faith formation. From that Sunday, one Sunday led to the other, and I became a leader in the youth group. But mm. that first Sunday became important when we talk about my call to ministry. Yeah, well, and we can keep going there. I, I, mean, I, I think, um, and this is not 
crazy to imagine, but I think the testimony of a number of people um, of how they found church in general, but even specifically United Methodism is they had no intentions of going to church, but then it became advantageous to at least say I was going to church. And then eventually I found myself in church. (laughs) So I I think there are a lot of people listening. It's like, yeah, that checks out. That totally checks out. So, so tell us how, you know, you, you join this church, this, this Methodist church in the village. um, And, uh, Tell us about your call to ministry, how it, it becomes more than just a church you attend, but this becomes sort of a, a vocation for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I became, um, I mean, I started going to church more frequently, more Sundays until it was every Sunday. Then I was in the youth group with my friends. I started working in the youth. I then get uh, baptized and then confirmed and then become a UMYF full member. I became a leader in the UMYF in, at our Vengere United Methodist Church. And then in our charge, the second then, which was composed of six churches with um, the different ministers who came. And we were still going to the market. I was still selling at the market during the weekends and during midweek, but Sundays for church. And as a leader, youth leader, then I started having responsibilities leading the youth in the district, then Mtasa Makoni district. But then come again, 1988, this was the late 70s when I started coming to church, 79. So 1988, that's when I wrote my high school examinations, all level. And uh, something that had, what I told you at the beginning, that my parents divorced when I was two. And uh, I was the brother of three sisters. My mother remarried and I have another sister and brother, half sister and another half brother. So here I was the elder brother by this time. And uh, everything, all the time as I was growing up, my sisters and everyone used to tell me I was the man of the house. And I had that responsibility to be the father of the house. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. my sisters and my mother, they would all in life depend on me as the man of the house. Uh, Derek, I was not a very, very intelligent student. I was just an average and below average student. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, with all the time to go to the market, I had not enough time to study to become that top A student. I was Mm -hmm. an average student. I always struggled to to get 50% knowing that I, I scraped through. Now, in Zimbabwe, in the education system in Zimbabwe then, in 1888, this is few years after independence, and things are beginning to change. Now the system is, all level is when life ends or begins. If mm-hmm. you pass your all levels, then you go. If you fail, you're almost redundant 
and thrown out of the system. Wow. So my O-level examinations were coming and starting 25 October 1988. That's when I was going to write my first examination O-level, Shona paper. And what I tell you is when we opened the school in August, after we had paid the examination fees the, in the second term, when we opened the schools in September for the third and the final term in 1988, when I showed up at school and began, everyone was talking about all-level examinations being just about a month away. Uh, that conversation brought something into my mind. I began to remember the responsibility that was on my shoulders for my siblings and my mother and the, the story that I was the man of the house. Hmm. And then I knew that if I fell all level, hmm. then I was done and I was shattering too many hopes. Yeah. And then I knew I was carrying the hopes of men on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So a month before my final exams start, 25 September, 1988, I left the house and I went out into the bush. There's a place we used to go for prayers with my friends as youth, as the boys. There's a place we used to go out for prayer and all that. In uh, our, um, in the Methodist Church in Zimbabwe, it, there is, that is popular known as the Parker. Parker is translation of a park, which is a prayer park. But then it's known as a Parker. Somewhere you go to pray. Hmm. So we had that Parker. That day I went alone. Early in the morning. I did not go with my friends whom I used to go with. That day I went alone. That is um, on the north side of the Rusape General Hospital. I went there. There is a big boulder rock there we used to gather friends pray to pray. I went there. And now, here's the connection. My first day in the Methodist Church. My first day in the Methodist Church. In 1979, the sermon that was preached that day, I don't remember a thing. I didn't remember it. But there's something that was said. Later on, I discovered that was Reverend Josiah Chidzikwe, and he was a district superintendent mm -hmm. who was preaching that Sunday at Vengere United Methodist Church in 1978-79. He said something that came to my mind that morning. I don't remember what text he read. I don't remember the rest of his sermon up to this day. But I remember these words he said in his sermon. I don't know what he was talking about, but he said these words. He said when he was born, he was a starter and he was born with a starter. And he, I remember he said, for him to pronounce the word was, 
he will shake all his body and stamp his foot and probably sometimes tears would come down before he finishes pronouncing was. And he said, that has been his life. But then he said, he prayed to God and said, God, if you enable me to speak, I will serve you as a preacher. And he said, you can hear me now. I repeat some words. God healed me of my stuttering. And that's why I'm a preacher today. Wow. That was Reverend Josiah Tzikwe. I didn't wow. know his name then. And I tell you, his name, I had to search for it when I was already a pastor. I had to search who was that man. And then I found out he was a district superintendent in, our, in the district then. So that morning, as I was going to the parker to pray, when I got, when I first that boulder, those words of Reverend Josiah Chidzikwe came into my mind. And I made this prayer. I remembered, if you tell God something and commit, God will do it. He did it to Reverend Josiah Chidzikwe. That time I was just saying, he did it to that preacher. <laughs> and I'm going to do the same. And I did the same prayer. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> I know what is before me. I have to pass. I have no option. I'm not intelligent, but I have to pass. I have to pass my O level. Now, if I pass, I will save you. I made that commitment that day. And here is what happened from that day, 25 September. A month before my exams starts. 25 September 1988. Something happened that night. In Rusape, the town I grew up in, there are two trains that pass our town at night. They used to in the 80s and 90s. One train uh, comes from the eastern town of Mutari, border town of Mutari going to the capital in Harare. That train passes Rusape, used to pass Rusape 12 midnight. The train from the capital of Harare, the passenger train, going to Mtare to the eastern town, pass our Rusape town at 3 a.m. Now this is what used to happen the train would stop 3 a.m. arrive 3 and leave around half past 3 thereabout. You know, when, when trains are crossing roads, where the rail cross the road, the train blows its horn to warn traffic that the train is coming. Every day, 25 past 3 or half past 3, that train will blow the horn to cross the road going to Mtare, and I would wake up. That one would wake me up, and the spirit will always tell me to study. I will have this push on study, now read. And mm. I would not go to sleep. So I would, every day from 25 September 1988, 
the tra the train half past 25 past 3 blows the horn i wake up my spirit says study i pick up my books i start reading for my examinations that happened every day i wake up i study from quarter past 3 half past 3 until it's time to take a bath and off to school. Even on weekends, I would wake up, I would study. And that's how I started for my ordinary level examination. And here's the thing that makes me believe it was God. 5 December 1988, I wrote my last commerce paper, 5 December. So, 5 December, half past 3 a.m., I heard the horn blowing. I woke up. I started for my commerce paper, like I was doing all these months. I started for my commerce paper. I went, I wrote that paper, finished it around 4 p.m., come back home, uh, played, refreshed, have my supper, Went to bed early that day. I think I went to bed around 9 p.m. or so. I went to bed. I bet, yeah. Yeah, first, first, 5th December. On the 6th of December, 6th December, my mom went to knock at my door around 10 a.m. and say, hey, is there somebody still in that house, in that room? And that's <laughs> how I woke up. I didn't hear the train bell. Oh, wow. Mm. My exams were done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I never heard that train bell unless I was intentionally listening for it since then. Wow. And when my results came later in 1989, I passed my O-levels. And mm. then I was thinking of doing some other things, but I remembered... God kept his side of the deal. I had to keep my side of the deal. Yeah. And I told my pastor I was ready to save as a minister. But even with that story, I can tell you something again. My name was presented to the official board by my pastor. Mm -hmm. I was turned down. The official board turned down my name. The board of ordained ministry or no, media ministry? No, the official board at the local church, which, okay. which we are calling church councils these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It used to be called the official board then. Gotcha. <laughs> it, they now turned it's called you the down. church council or executive, whatever, at the local yeah. church. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the pastor parish relations presents the names for those who yeah. are descending their court ministry in the local church. Right, right. So my name was presented, irrespective that I was the youth president. Mm. My name was, the official board said no. And you know why the official board said no? Because I was coming from a broken family. Huh. I told you about the divorce of my parents when I was two. Yeah. I told you about my two half siblings 
That meant my mother remarried and had two half-siblings. Now, there were two issues. I was coming from a broken family, and my mother, when my mother remarried, she remarried as a second wife. So a child of that kind of a woman would not become a pastor. So my name did not pass. Wow. And my pastor, whom by today's standards, people would call a progressive. <laughs> in yeah. the Methodist. Because mm -hmm. he's playing against the grain. Right, right. He brought back my name. Mm -hmm. Reverend Caleb Mkas, he brought back my name and say, we are, I'm presenting it for the second time. The official board said no, we said no. This young man cannot. He comes from a broken family. It was when my name came for the third time. Oh my. There's a woman, I will not mention names of people who were saying no, but I will mention the name of a woman who stood up for me. There's a woman who was the church treasurer. Her name was Mrs. Alice Malikula. She rarely spoke very quiet. She was known as a quiet woman. And I think that's why people had made her a treasurer. She asked a question to the official board and say, hey, who are we talking about here? Our youth president or his mother? Who are we talking about? And that's when everybody begin to open up and say, this young boy is one of our favorite preachers here. Good preacher. Who disagrees? This young boy is leading all our children. Is our youth president for the circuit. And is in the leadership of the district youth. And we allow him to lead our children to preach, to lead in the district, and we say he cannot be a pastor. That's how everyone opened up their mind, and that's how I then passed. Lloyd, the build-up to this part of your story, I, I just, I, I didn't predict that this is where the story was going to go. <laughs> And, and correct me if I'm understanding it wrong, they kept turning you away because of the, of the family structure you were a part of. Right. They weren't really assessing your gifts or graces for ministry. They were just making a determination about you based on a social construct. Yes. And you know, Derek, I had people who were in that official board who had said to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I talked to them about being a journalist, being a lawyer. And some of them had said to me, have you considered ministry? You are a mm. good preacher, boy. I remember one of those elder men, I was sitting on his tractor mudguard as we were going to plow on our fields. 
And he said, uh, Brother Lloyd, what really do you want to be? And I say, okay, if I finish, I'll want to be, uh, if I pass, probably I'll go to law school or be a journalist and some of those. And he said, have you considered being a pastor? You're a good preacher. He was in that official board that was turning my name down because somebody had raised concern about the family structure I was coming from. And I think it dawned on some of the people who were there and say, oh yeah, he comes from a broken family. How can he be a preacher? And I want to tell you, this was something serious in the United Methodist Church in Zimbabwe then. It was something very serious. What, who you are was determined by the family structure you come from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the culture. It's part of yeah. the system. I'm not blaming anyone who was in that official board. They were just addressing an issue that would create a problem to have a pastor who is coming from that kind of a family. It was not biting. It didn't make sense. Wow. Lloyd, thank you for sharing all of that. Um... I think it leads me to a specific question. Um, tell us, tell us some of the unique features of United Methodism in Zimbabwe. Things that we in the U.S. may not understand um, that are significant differences of the way the United Methodist Church lives out its witness in the country of Zimbabwe. One, one, one thing I would put up front, probably that uh, the people in Zimbabwe, when they, in the United Methodist Church in Zimbabwe, in all these areas I've told you I saved, most of those places didn't have church buildings. Hmm. So church to most United Methodists in Zimbabwe has nothing to do with a church building with a steeple. I've pastored churches that worship under a tree, like literally under a tree, we sit on stones and bricks and have service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been to many churches I've pastored that meet in classrooms, school classrooms. Uh, talk to the school head, ask for a classroom, then we'll use that classroom as our church. And that will be known as the United Methodist Church that meets in the grade three classroom. Wow. Yeah. So, and people come to church, whether it's under a tree, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's in somebody's house, whether it's at the back of somebody's grocery store. I've been in churches like that. Um, people come to church because they want to worship. Because... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have an experience with God. They have something that they can tell you about what God has done in their lives. And, and one thing that I tell you, all those churches, those United Methodists in those churches, they are hopeful that one day they will have their church building. Even if every Sunday they collect a maximum of three dollars, equivalent of three US dollars. They never lose hope 
that someday God is going to provide for them that they will have a building they will call their own, their church. But that does before that building, it doesn't hinder them to do ministry. It doesn't hinder them to preach and to bring and to make disciples. So that's the approach of church of the United Methodists in Zimbabwe. They, they, when they commit, I think I've seen deeper commitment, deeper faith. As a pastor, I've seen that most of the people who are committed to the faith, they will tell you an experience of their life, an experience and an encounter they had with God, with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, which they reference to and say, since then, I've never looked back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, 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 they are serious about their faith. And there's mm -hmm. something, again, United Methodists in Zimbabwe, they are Christians, and particularly United Methodist Christians. Hmm. They love the United Methodist as a denomination. Yeah. It's part of their identity. It's part of who they are. It's part of the United Methodist Church have built who they are, have made them who they are, both spiritually and economic and family life. The United Methodist Church have done that, has presented a total gospel of the total person. And people identify their faith within the United Methodist. That is why it is very difficult to shake United Methodist to try in Zimbabwe, to try and pull them out of the United Methodist because they have experiences, they have stories, they have witnesses and witnessed and they have lived things of faith within the United Methodist and they have testimonies and they will not be shaken. That mm -hmm. is why, uh, I mean, um, I mean, probably just to let you know, with all this that is happening in the denomination now, the moment you tell most of United Methodists in Zimbabwe about leaving the United Methodists, then uh, you have created a huge rift between the person you are talking to and your story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They cannot separate their faith and what God has done to them through the grace that has touched their lives, their families, and transformed their communities through the United Methodist. So there's that bond, a bond of faith. It's not just uh, people, sometimes I hear people make the mistake that people are attached to the name. No, it is the name that is attached to them. Not them Yeah, it is the United Methodist name that is that has been branded on us because of what experiences we have had. Not that bad things don't happen; they do happen in the United Methodist in Zimbabwe, but they are they do not overshadow the greatness of God and what God has done. 
We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.